She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season four. Episode 18. Max. This is a myth arc episode, and it originally aired on Sunday, March 23rd, 1997 at 9 p.m. It was filmed in British Columbia, Canada, and like the first part of this two-parter, it was written by Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz, but unlike the first part, this part is directed by Kim Manners. (gasps) Yeah, because the last one was directed by Rob Bowman. Mm -hmm. They are turn-takers, and so even on two-parters, they take turns. Yep. So... This is nice because this is obviously we talked about this before. Two parters would be written by different people, like the first and second part. The last two parter was also written by Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz. Although in those ones, Tunguska and Terma, they were credited as Frank Spotnitz and Chris Carter, whereas these two are Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz. I don't know what the difference is on that. There's probably some money thing or whatever, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. At least they finally figured out, like, you know, if it was a two-parter, maybe it'd be good if the same person wrote both parts. It might, it, it just <laughs> I mean, might it work might out. might help a little. It might make Sometimes. a more cohesive story, possibly. Sometimes. Know. Just once yeah. in a while. It would also be interesting <laughs> if, I guess maybe not with this new method we're talking about, but if, like, it was a two-parter and one was a myth arc and one wasn't, that would be weird. Yeah, so. that would be almost <laughs> impossible to pull off, but yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to. I mean, I could think of some ways you could do it, but it would sure. they probably wouldn't be good. So, not that two parters always are. But anyway, previously <laughs> on the X Files, I like this one. <laughs> we see Max on the plane and hear Sharon say he was on his way there to deliver something, but the plane went down. And Scully explains that Max was using the alias Paul Gidney. And Mulder realizes that none of the dead passengers are wearing wristwatches. And Scully asks if he thinks they're covering up evidence. Frisch says they shot down that jet. And Mulder says the military is working to cover up that evidence. We see Garrett shoot at Scully and Frisk. Mulder showing the second craft's crash location on the lake in the map to them earlier. Because that happened before Garrett shot at them. And then the craft with the alien pilot underwater. (gasps) There's something missing from this previously on X-Files. But that's okay because now the episode starts back up. And we're not going to talk about that part. I'll talk about it later. Mulder sees two divers swimming down towards him. A larger boat waits on the surface next to Bearfield's motorboat. The divers find Mulder's tank, but not Mulder. And he surfaces a little distance from the boat. He comes up. It's only 50 feet. I don't know. He didn't mean so dramatic about the air. Also, that would draw attention. But anyway, the other divers surface too and shout that he's not down there. And they're all waving their hands like crazy people. It's kind of funny. Then they tell the boats to circle around with the lights in the water. Maybe that's what the gestures are for. Like maybe that's like some kind of like motion to like circle the boat circle the boats anyway i thought it was hilarious then we see Mulder walk up on the shore and then a truck illuminates its lights on Mulder, and Mulder runs but he's tackled by two other runners and then soldiers come up and they put guns on him and then it's a theme song so Ooh. what also was funny was Mulder running because we know Mulder is good at running but apparently not while wearing a wetsuit and running on sand because he looks really funny when he's running mm-hmm. so his baywatch dreams are shattered nope can't yep. run on the sand But in fact, I was on the set of Baywatch in the 90s, and I met David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson, and I shook David Hasselhoff's hand, and it was very sweaty. Oh. Yeah. Did you hassle the Hoff? I did not hassle the Hoff. It was one of those school field trips. My school is weird. It it sounds like a magical made-up school, but like we went. Yeah, you did. You've told me stories about things you guys did for that school, and I'm like, the fuck? It was the L.A. trip for the video, like, production group. And so, like, you know, we would go to TV sets, and we would go to studios, and we would meet with writers, meet with actors. We would go to sets and watch them film episodes. Is a thing hmm. that I did in real life. It's kind of amazing. But, yeah, I lucked out school-wise for sure. You think if we started a Baywatch podcast, we could get the Hoff come on? Probably not. I don't think me mm-hmm. shaking his hand once in like tenth grade is gonna get me any points. I mean, I could edit out the part where you said it was sweaty, and then he won't know about that. <laughs> also, I don't want to do a Baywatch podcast. I didn't even watch <laughs> Baywatch when it was on. In fact, we tried to get we tried to go to the mall. We wanted to skip the Baywatch day, but the lady who was like our um, 
I don't remember what it's called. Like the chaperone driver was a huge Baywatch fan. So we were <laughs> like, can we just go to the mall or something? And she's like, no, we're going. Because <laughs> she wanted to go to the Baywatch set. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was a goth kid. I wasn't into it. I was like, I don't care. But Pam Anderson was super nice. So, you know. Oh, hey. nice. I was going to say, did were any, was any, well, any of the guys in the class excited to meet Pam Anderson? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, they were she was wearing the swimsuit and everything although she did put a jacket on over it after they finished filming but they were pretty excited Mm. i was not excited to meet either of them really but they were nice it was fine it's good i mean even if they're not nice you would hope they would at least pretend to be nice because yeah i mean that's what i mean is they were nice man they sucked i mean it wasn't like it wasn't super internet-y at the time but you can imagine you don't want that yeah i mean we're a class of teenagers they knew we were like a video production group or whatever so like you know they're just like oh hey you want to make tv cool you know what i mean like same thing someday i might be looking to this kid for work i better be yeah i mean you never know right (laughs) some people in that class do work in hollywood and do write for television now so yeah yeah, I mean, hey, but we got a podcast. We're... I know. Who cares if you wrote an episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine? It's fine. I do stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, actually, very cool person from what I remember, and I'm very excited that they're having success. Yeah, and if they're looking for anybody, um, it was called. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, Nick would make a great supervisor. <laughs> Oh, oh, on dear. that, I have a plan. We discussed last time about how, like, we're slowing down our production a little bit, you know, and we're like, we're going to be putting stuff out on a regular basis, but we're going to just open it up, right? So X Files and X Files adjacent is going to be the feed. And so it'll be X Files and then it'll be other stuff too in between, right? Kind of filling in. So at least you're getting something. And then everyone gets to hear the other crazy ass stuff that we do because everything we do, we do because we want to. So, I mean, it's all good. Anyway. But I have a plan to go back through and use some of this time that I'm getting back to, to do more work. Oh, no one's hell's wrong with me. I'm going to go back and listen to our entire back catalog. Oh, my God. And I am going to write down all the fucking ideas that we had for fan fiction. <laughs> nice. And, I, only, I only remember one, and it's my Mulder Little Green Men one, and I still haven't written it. Yeah. So. Well, one of my comic book buddies, guy who works in comics, um, he just he just switched from Patreon to Substack. And I was thinking maybe I slash we could start a Substack where we put all our ideas, and then maybe we could actually maybe even work on them at some point. Who knows? So Maybe, yeah. yeah. That's something to think about. Yeah. Anyway. Back to the episode and to the part they left out of the previously on. Yes. We mentioned they left something out of the previously on, and now we're finally going to get to it. It's kind of big, actually. So we get back to the pub, and part of the reason they left it out is because they basically just show the same scene. So we see Garrett shoot Pendrel again, and this time Scully is down below next to him, and she opens his shirt to check his wound, and then someone shouts, the shooter is getting away. So she tells Pendrel she'll be right back and she moves through the crowd and she sees a trail of blood from where the killer was shot and the trail goes to the door, but the killer is gone. Yeah, because she goes outside into the street and everything looks around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Police arrive and Scully flashes her badge telling them she needs an EMT now. Back with Pendrel, she holds a napkin against his wound and then tells him the EMTs are on the way. He's going to go to the hospital and he's going to be okay. She tells the EMT that he has a puncture wound in his right lung and that he's an FBI agent. Yeah, because she's like, he's got a wound in his right lung and he needs to be intubated right away. And the dude starts to work on him. And then he's like, oh, because Pendrel's got a gun. And so she's mm-hmm. like, she takes it and it's like, he's FBI. You better fucking fix him right now. So. <laughs> yeah. The EMTs take over and she realizes that her nose is bleeding. Going to be a periodic thing from now on. She's just going to oh, have no. those. Because um, if you remember, she has cancer of her nasal cavity. Oh, I thought maybe she took Accutane for acne when she was a kid or something. Fuck her. <laughs> so she asked Frisch if he told anyone he was in DC, and he says no. She says there's someone on the inside. Yeah, because she's it, like, You talk, you, this is your fault. You talk to your girlfriend. You yeah, pretty bastard. much. And he's like, No, I didn't. He's scared. She's going to shoot him. And he's not. No. (laughs) 
So Pendrel's loaded onto a stretcher and wheeled out, and then Skinner arrives, and he's like, who shot Pendrel? I love this Skinner's just, he's like, oh, shit's going down, I gotta get over there. Uh, Scully doesn't know, but Skinner says he got a call about a federal witness. Scully says that Sergeant Lewis Frisch, he was the intended target of the shooting. A federal marshal was supposed to meet them there and take him into protective custody. Skinner tells her the order was countermanded and Frisch is being put under military arrest for suspicion of murder and providing false testimony. So they are trying to pin that murder of Gonzalez on him, apparently. Mm. Scully says his testimony is damaging to the military. Skinner says the order came from the Joint Chiefs of Staff, who've also issued a recommendation against Mulder who's been put under military arrest on the charges of interfering with a military investigation into the crash of a commercial airliner. Hmm. Scully says the military is responsible for the downing of Flight 549. Skinner says they're admitting that, but their story is different than Frisch's. So she asks what their story is. He doesn't answer, but he looks at her bloody tissue and he asks if she's all right. She says she's fine. He suggests she makes sure of that when she goes to the hospital with Agent Pendrel. Yeah, because he's not happy about the fact that he's got one agent down and then possibly one who is working when she shouldn't be because he's worried about his agents. Yeah, well, and then also Mulder's been arrested by the military, so the things yeah, aren't going that well. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, I don't know, they're trying to pin Gonzalez's murder on Frisch. I think it might be the murder of the people on the plane because Oh, yeah, well. you know what? That would make sense. Because they do later mention that Gonzalez like committed suicide as part of the story. Yeah, Although, so who you're knows right. If their story is changing. It might possibly. Yeah. So, uh, the one I mentioned last episode, this did seem like a very cohesive, except for one thing, and I would try to remember to bring it up when it happened. This is where it happened, and you had mentioned in the last episode that Scully like makes sure that you know Garrett is down and not going to leave before she goes and gets Pendrel, and obviously she didn't because he got up and left. The other thing, too, is that in the last episode, Garrett fires and then Scully fires once and hits Garrett in the leg and he goes down. In this episode, she fires twice. She hits him in the leg. She apparently watches too much lethal weapon because I would not have shot someone trying to kill people in the leg. I'd have shot them in the chest or in the head. But then maybe that's why I'm not a federal agent. But and then the (laughs) second shot shoots a low sideboard table behind him and takes a chunk out of it. Okay. So, which does not happen in the first episode. And there are three shots. So they kind of goofed that. So, Huh, interesting. Yeah, so we actually don't get the exact same scene. You had mentioned we get the same scene. Well, yeah, we get the same scene, but obviously it's not like a replay like we've had before where they just like literally right. replay yeah, the, it's same not the same scene. Footage, I it's, they they yeah. do a different reenactment, but yeah. it is like the same situation. Yeah, she gets off two shots in this okay. one instead of just the one. So different. And then, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, so script editing jobs. I'm here. I'm, yeah, Nick is available. Available. You know, if they pay more than my current job, I'll do it. So, (laughs) if they don't, then fuck off. I'm fine where I'm at. Anyway, yeah. (laughs) So then we're at that German Air Force Reserve installation again that's in America for some reason, named after a Nazi. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) On Drehill Air Force Reserve installation. And Scully walks down the hall just in time for Mulder to come through the door with a soldier who is having him sign something. And he asks if she came to spring him. And they're led into a room. And then Mulder asks if she's there to talk to him about the misunderstanding. And she says, according to the military, there is no misunderstanding. And he's like, what? So all of a sudden they're taking responsibility for Flight 549? And Scully says they had no choice. Facts came out. But Mulder thinks their cover story is ridiculous. They're saying the control tower gave bad coordinates to a fighter pilot, which caused a collision. And then he dumps the bag of stuff that he was given and starts removing the prison uniform. So he's wearing like prison clothes and then he's putting mm-hmm. on his real clothes back. So, yes. Yeah. Apparently you can just get bailed out from being in military custody. I don't know. I think they're releasing him. I don't know if that she bailed him out. I think they're just releasing him. I think they've decided they don't have enough of it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but he saw the UFO. They didn't even like put like silver shit in his eyes to make him lose his memory or anything. Well, that we saw. Mm, but I guess he remembers. Well, he so. he kind of knows what's going on. So, <laughs> so I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe they did. And the black oil that's in there too was like, oh, fuck, get the fuck out of here. And they don't realize it. And they're like, well, oh, yeah. Everything? This isn't yeah, working. maybe the black oil so. like countermands the silver stuff. And like, mm. yeah. Okay, I got to write this one down. So I have to listen to this episode again. Put this in the <laughs> substack. Idea. 
Okay, all right. <laughs> Scully says that if you listen to the tapes, the coordinates that Frisch and Gonzalez gave the fire pilot were exactly in line with Flight 549, which they didn't see until it was too late. Mulder continues that according to this story, Gonzalez put a gun to his head out of guilt. So, suicide. yeah, there is a suicide. Yep. Yeah. Scully says the military is claiming Frisch tried to lie to save himself, but after Gonzalez died, he came to them to blame the military. So he's just trying to cover his ass. Mm. That's why they pursued. Mulder asks about the second plane, which Scully says was an F-15 Eagle. Mulder asks if she believes that, and she says she doesn't know what to believe. Because obviously if they, if they hit, then there should be a F-15 Eagle on the ground somewhere, yeah? Right, yeah. Yeah. That would be the second crash site, which we know has an alien <gasps> an alien was flying an f-15 eagle which is made out of green <laughs> stuff and bubble wrap yes I possibly I don't, know. I don't remember that from top gun but okay all right Mulder shows her a small radiation burn on his forehead and tells her if that's what happens when you look at an f-15 and he says he found the second crash site about 50 feet under the water in the lake that I don't know how to say Sacaganda. yeah we think not how it's spelled but anyway mm -hmm. What flight 549 collided with was a UFO that was shot down by the military. Probably by an F-15 Eagle. Scully says that can't be proven. Mulder leaves the room and Scully follows. And then she tells him there's no evidence that flight 549 was involved in a collision. He asks who says that. And she says Miller, who seems to know what happened to the plane and who came to her with information he has no reason to share. He found Sharon wandering in a daze in the crash site after he saw light circling the area which would seem to confirm the UFO story that Scully refuses to believe. Mm -hmm. Although he does say lights, he doesn't say that he saw a full-on UFO, which is what he saw, so he's trying to pedal it back a little, too. Mm. Also, Sharon is not Max's sister. She's an unemployed aeronautical engineer who spent time in mental institutions where she met Max. Because remember, Max was in mental institutions because no one believed that he was abducted by aliens. Mm -hmm. And also, he had epilepsy. Also, Agent Pendrel's dead. She just drops it on Mulder like that. Boom. Yeah. Mulder puts a hand on Scully's shoulder and asks how. She tells him about the shooting. And she's like, he saved his life, meaning Frisk. And maybe mine. And Scully starts to walk away. Mulder calls after her. And she's like, what are these people dying for? The truth or lies? And Mulder says, it has to be the truth. We owe them that. So Chris Carter yeah. wrote that part. <laughs> I don't hate it, though. But... <laughs> I do hate that Agent Pendrill is dead. It is expressed in my notes by crying emojis, but also like, man, that's such a freaking bummer. Like everyone recovers on TV. Why couldn't Pendrill? Well, also, like I mentioned last time, not only did he get like wrong place, wrong time shot, right? Like not even like, again, like, you know, trying to save. Like she's all like, he saved Fish's life and maybe mine. He, he was just standing there. He didn't like, it wasn't, a, that wasn't his intention. No, I mean, he probably did, it. but it wasn't on purpose. It was just because he happened to walk into the right. shot. But then, so not only do we get, like, that, like, just wrong place, wrong time death, then we see him go off, and he dies off screen. We don't even get, like, you know, like, she went to the hospital, supposedly with him, and we don't even get any, like, you know, like, last goodbye, like, look at my boobs before you die, anything. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, like, boom, out, off screen, he's dead. Yeah, right. it's a bummer. I hate it. Yeah. Anyway, poor Pendrel. This is going to affect my ratings. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> yeah. Also, I should clarify. I meant to during the, um, we mentioned that she holds a napkin to his wound. It's like a cloth, like a nice cloth napkin, not yes. like a paper napkin. So <laughs> she was like trying a, a little, food. I guess. It's not so, like a Taco Bell napkin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. If she, I mean, she probably didn't think he was going to die, but she could like give him mouth to mouth or something. Just a, She could have done anything to help the poor guy. I mean, she had to know that he liked her. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, everyone within like a 10 mile radius could tell. Yeah. So. Poor Pendrel. So anyway, R.I.P. Pendrel, you'll be missed. So then we're at Barnes Corners, New York, and Mulder and Scully arrive at an RV park and find Max's trailer. They talk about the trailer, and Mulder asks her if she remembers going into it before. I guess this is Chris Carter's way of 
reminding us that we've seen Max's like wannabe airstream before. I don't know. So he appreciates Max's enduring sense of style. So basically he's in the same place. I mean, he's not in the same place. He's in the same trailer. Obviously the trailer moves around as trailers tend to do. She says only Mulder and Max would appreciate living like this, but that is not true. If you go on YouTube, there is a whole contingent of like full-time RV or lifestyle videos that I got sucked into during the pandemic. And I was like determined to go live in an Airstream with my cats. I have yeah. now changed my she, mind because I might, need more She space. might be referring to the fact that it's like totally covered, like every square inch with like UFO photos and stuff. That also, she yeah. she may also be referring to the decor and the messy state of the RV mm-hmm. itself as well. Also, anyway. apparently both Max and Mulder enjoy beanie weenies because Mulder finds a can of beanie weenies and he's impressed. So That's <laughs> true. So, Escully's looking around, she presses play on Max's stereo, and unmarked helicopters by Soul Coughing starts playing for a few bars until she turns it back off. Oh, that's weird. It's almost like that might be on the official X-Files soundtrack or something. It is, it's one of my favorite songs on there. Really? Oh, man, I was going to mention later when they play it again that it's not a good song. (laughs) Oh, I love it! I love that song! Okay, alright. It's weird, it's weird. But yeah, anyway... So she asks what they're looking for. Mulder wants to find something to explain why Max was on the plane and what he was coming to tell or show him. Scully asks why he thinks Max was coming to see him. Mulder sits down at Max's computer. He hands Scully the bloody business card he pulled from Max's body. It's Mulder's card. He says Max knew the plane was in danger before it even took off. I'd say Max's blood does not ever not be bright red it doesn't yeah. like turn brown like most blood stains do yeah, well of... all those alien experiments you know oh yeah <laughs> okay. okay Mulder finds a videotape and he pops it into the vcr on it max appears and he's standing outside of his trailer and he says that this is his story for those who know him it'll be ancient history but for the rest of you this is the story of his life all he ever wanted in life was to be left alone. And then he kind of laughs like, ha ha, what an ironic thing to mm-hmm. want given my situation. Just his luck, he'd become an alien abductee. Now he's never alone. Any minute when he's least expecting it. And the worst part is no one believes you. Well, almost no one. So he's devoted his life to providing skeptics and disbelievers with proof that aliens are visiting this planet for a rather troubling agenda known only to certain members of the government, the FBI, and certain high-ranking members of the military-industrial community who've recovered some of these very aircraft. (gasps) And then as Max talks, we see a military operation at Sacadago Lake, and Max's voiceover continues talking about how they wouldn't admit they've recovered alien crafts, nor that they've salvaged some of their technology and are using it in military applications. At least until someone confronts them with irrefutable, undeniable proof. Someone like Max. Which he's doing at great risk to himself. And then we see the military operation is removing UFO parts from the lake, and they bag up an alien body and put it in a row with other body bags, so presumably there was more than one alien in that craft. Or... <laughs> or what? We see some divers come out of the water, and one of them is dry heaving and sick and has radiation poisoning and burns all over his hands and face. And Garrett stands over him and says, we found it. He has a little blood on his leg when we got shot. So I think all those other body bags are divers who died from the radiation. Oh, I didn't think so because they're all kind of small. They're all kind of small body yeah, bags. Yeah, that dude maybe. is pretty going to die looking. Yeah. Out of the water. yeah. He looks like the dude's in... Fallen Angel. Yep. True. Yeah. And then it's the commercial. Mm -hmm. So, and we should bring this up now. Um, If you've watched this episode or plan to watch this episode, you will notice that in the video, Max was wearing his nightcap hat. Yes. However, if you watch Fallen Angel, you will know that one of the only things left behind when Max disappears from his abduction is his nightcap hat, Mm -hmm. which Mulder keeps. And is seen in later episodes, like hanging on his coat rack. Mm-hmm. So, continuity error, or just he had more than one hat. Right? Yeah. 
I mean, either way. (laughs) It does come up with people saying like, hey, why has he got his hat? Especially because later we're going to, the hat's going to come up again in this episode. And it's like, wait, why is the hat there? And Mulder already has the hat. We've seen it. So it's one of those things where I think they may have just not been paying attention. I didn't think about it. I mean, he is that that nightcap hat has become like an iconic thing about him. Yeah. So maybe they wanted to include it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And this video is obviously more recent because he's got the shorter hair like he has in this episode. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Fallen Angel, he had much longer hair. So. And his trailer is parked in like the same place in the video. So it's probably a pretty recent thing. Yeah. And we'll find out later. There's also another connection to making a more recent thing with the video. So, but yeah. So I think it's just, he probably had more than one hat. Probably. So, you know, after. Or he got I mean, another been, one after he came back, you know. He's I like, was going to oh, say, it's been, one. yeah, it's been, you know, that was season one and this is season four. So it's been like four years or at least three. So he probably just maybe got another hat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does look like the one he's wearing in the video is like old and worn and kind of dirty. But I mean, you know, three years, your hat's going to get kind of dirty. So yeah, yeah, if you wear it all the time. Yeah, that does do another thing, though, of the whole like. Max really did disappear, and Mulder and Scully should think that he had disappeared because Mulder kept his hat. But anyway, yeah. So maybe when they were riding back and forth, Max is like, "No, I got a new one. Keep it." <laughs> maybe, yeah, that we never heard about. So yeah. yeah, well, there's some fan fiction ideas we can Mulder and Max's lost correspondence. Yeah, it's unfortunate because Max is a character who I think should have been maybe honestly like all the time. Not even like we've talked about how like we wish the lone gunman showed up more often. So it'd be nice if he maybe had like lone gunman status, like current lone gunman status and the lone gunman showed up more often. Something like that. But yeah. Some yeah. Of those things. Anyway, apparently the actor who tried out for several parts in between the three years and Chris Carter wouldn't hire him because he was like, no, people are going to remember what you look like. You're a really yeah. popular character. <laughs> So, yeah well, that kind of sucks he but is anyway. very popular yeah it sucks they, yeah yeah it sucks that they killed him off yeah. like pretty much as soon as they bring him back but hey yeah he doesn't really yeah anyway back in the hangar because we come back from commercial mm-hmm. miller tells everyone that the recovery and identification of the victims of flight 549 is at 76 percent, which is better than anticipated given the level of destruction they've logged a total of nearly 3,000 man hours and he wishes they had more conclusive answers, but unfortunately, the evidence of what happened doesn't support anything more conclusive than the Air Force's assertion of a mid-air collision or catastrophic near-miss. He asked the team to wrap up their reports tonight and then go home to their families. Mm-hmm. The group breaks up, and Miller sees Mulder and Scully standing in the back, and Mulder's like, you had something to tell them? And he's like, well, I called for you. I just wanted to thank you for your help for bringing the explanation of the military involvement because we wouldn't have known about that if you hadn't, you know, given. So they did, you know, they actually did help with the story, even though the story they're giving is false, but mm-hmm. helped a little bit. Mulder says the story of the military is promoting is deflection and a cover up. Mulder has a story, and if Miller is willing to hear it, he can tell him it's bullshit, as Agent Scully has. <laughs> I love just knowing that Scully's already heard this and she's like, no, but whatever. Yeah. Tori wrote bullshit in the episode. He says bull, but it sounds like it might have been edited. It sounds like he might have actually said bullshit. Yeah. And, then they, and if like, not, he should have. It's silly you to can't say words shit like that. on television. You can say bitch. You can say damn. Can't say shit because mm-hmm. that's a natural body function. So can have those anyway miller agrees he'll listen to the story so you want to tell the story sure so Mulder tells him there was one man who knew what brought the plane down and he knew it before he even got on but he still boarded anyway he points to seat 13f and says his name was max fennig he believes max had been followed for some time and then we flash to the plane and we see max clutching something and we see the man getting up to go to the restroom Mulder believes Max was followed onto the plane by someone who wanted the object that Max had brought on board. The object that ultimately caused the crash. Miller asks what the object was. Mulder says it was physical proof of the existence of extraterrestrial life and intelligence. Back on the plane, we see the man putting his gun together. 
Mulder says the person who followed Max was probably prepared to kill to obtain the object, but the plane was intercepted by a second aircraft, which didn't appear on any radar screens. And then we see the plane start to shake and people scream. Mulder continues that Max knew immediately what the craft was and that he wouldn't be completing the flight as scheduled. The craft disabled the plane's controls and was going to abduct Max, but something went wrong. A third aircraft, probably an F-15 Eagle, was given the coordinates on Flight 549. And then we see Frisch and Gonzalez in the control tower giving coordinates. But they didn't know what they said in motion, nor that there was a third aircraft, or that for nine minutes, time would stand still on Flight 549. <gasps> then the plane shakes as bright light illuminates one side of the plane. Then the lights go out. Time freezes. Max has a seizure and is flown out the door of the plane towards the alien craft. You're saying the man sitting in 13F was abducted mid-flight without any change in cabin pressure, Miller asks? Mulder believes that if not for the military interference, Max would have been abducted and returned to the plane with no loss of life. But the military plane had been given orders to take down the UFO. And those last nine minutes, which otherwise would have been erased from their memories, proved to be the last minutes of the passengers' lives. We see Max, who was being returned, sucked out the door as pressure returns, along with several others. Then people panic as the plane starts to crash. Miller says where he comes from, they call that a whopper. And even if it were true, he could never sell it to Washington. And neither could Mulder. Mulder agrees, at least not without whatever Max Fennig was carrying. Scully says she has the same reaction, but there is one large thing that's still unexplained. The door and the seats around it show traces of radiation. She asks if Miller found any source of the emitter in the wreckage, and Miller says there is one thing he found. He opens the trunk of his car. He says after the first traces, they tried to link radioactivity to the cause, but they found no evidence. Except this. He hands Mulder Max's green bag, which still has the black nightcap baseball cap inside. <gasps> commercial. Actually, yeah. some word commercial breaks here where like the scenes aren't that normal. Like you would think there would be a commercial there because it's not like dun dun dun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So apparently when the Air Force shot the UFO, because we see like Max is they're putting Max back and he's floating back into the plane. Uh -huh. But then we see like like a little we hear like a noise and then max like just suddenly boom, flies out of the plane so like right. it broke the tractor beam or whatever you want to call yeah, it yeah so whatever know. was keeping the plane in stasis without loss of cabin pressure was from the ufo when the government mm -hmm. shot the ufo down the cabin pressure was instantly lost because the door was wide open and door max was, was flown out yeah, yeah it, was, it wasn't there and max was flown out and so were other people and then the plane just like took a deep dive and crashed yeah, we see some other people stewardess flies out and some other people yeah yeah yeah, they spend a lot of time on the scene, and it's kind of it, it, it's it's well done. It's kind of disturbing. It's so um, disturbing, it well and I I had just bought plane tickets, and I'm like, oh my god, I want to be watching this yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> they it's apparently okay, the the sound team crew, whatever you want to call it, I don't remember what, but they apparently won an award for these two episodes, and like the oh wow, thing. okay, so, cool, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So we come back from commercial and we're in the same scene and Miller is like closing his trunk and says he needs to make his final report and he'll include what he's found, you know, Max's bag and the hat and everything in the case, mm -hmm. but not as a cause, Scully says. And Miller says no, but they have a good story. Maybe they can sell it to Hollywood. And he walks away. So Scully tells Mulder that he may never know what Max was carrying. And Mulder says... And they'll never know who killed Agent Pendrel. They could talk to Sharon Graffia. Scully says she wasn't even who she claimed to be. But Mulder points out that she knew Max well enough that he wrote her tons of letters and called her to let her know he was in danger before he died. And Scully says she's currently in a mental institution. And Mulder's like, oh, I'd go with you, but they might lock me up if I go. And Scully's <laughs> like, yeah, they might. And so she agrees to go by herself. So. Mm -hmm. Mulder goes back to Max's trailer, and unmarked helicopters is blasting from the stereo. 
And the trailer has been ransacked, so it's even messier than it normally is. Stuff is everywhere. And Max's video is playing on the television, so Mulder goes inside, and someone pokes their head in and asks if he's a friend of Max's, and so Mulder manages to turn the stereo off, and he introduces himself and flashes a badge, FBI, da 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 the, man, the park manager, and he's surprised the FBI is there. He knew Max had some weird friends, but he knows they don't send out federal agents because someone trashed a trailer. He asks if Max is in trouble, and Mulder tells him Max died in a plane crash a few days ago, and the manager is sorry to hear it. Mulder asks if he mentioned where he was going, and the manager said no. But he disappears sometimes, and he has some stories. <laughs> yeah. He asks if he, <laughs> and he asks <laughs> he Mulder if he knows he'll be taking care of his estate and where he should forward the mail. And Mulder is like, he has mail. And then he asks if he can have it, and the manager says, "Yeah, I'll go get it for you." So the manager runs to go get it, and Mulder starts to rewind Max's tape, the videotape. And as he does, he sees the reflection of the camera person in the windshield, and it's Sharon. Mm. So I I honestly don't know what this does because we already know they're in contact. So the fact that she was holding the camera, but anyway. So yeah, I guess just that they were definitely close friends, which yeah, we already kind of knew, but I guess it kind of yeah. Mulder looks through the mail after the manager brings it, and he sees a letter from Paul Gidney. Hmm. So Paul Gidney is Max, and so he opens it, and inside is a tag with an ID number on it. Ooh. Ooh. It looks like a torn-off ticket kind of looking thing. Mm-hmm. Could be a claim ticket for something, possibly. Could be. Could be. <laughs> so then we're at the Northeast Georgetown Mental Health Center. Scully finds Sharon in her room, sitting in the dark. She asks if she's up to answering questions. And Sharon tells her, I'm not Max's sister. Scully knows, though she isn't sure why she lied or what else she might be lying about. Sharon says it doesn't matter anymore. Scully says if she knows anything about what Max was doing on that plane or what he was carrying, it might matter a lot. To who, Sharon asks. To Max, Scully says. Sharon says she can't or she might be in big trouble. Scully turns on the light and sees big red blisters on Sharon's face and knows that she and Max were both exposed to something. Hmm. Aliens? Maybe. Or the thing Max was carrying, possibly. (laughs) Oh, that wouldn't work for her blisters. Oh, that's true. It wouldn't because that would have been before. Yeah. Yeah. Scully says Sharon wanted to help Max prove his stories were true. She worked as an aeronautical engineer. She stole something from her employer, didn't she? Something radioactive. Sharon says only because she believed in Max. Scully asked what it was. Sharon says it was three interlocking parts that Max said was alien technology. She had one part. Max had another aboard the flight, but those were taken. Scully asked what happened to the third part. Oh, so maybe she did have a part that was recently just taken. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. so that might work. Okay. Oh, yeah, because she that. had it on her when the aliens, yeah, abducted her, maybe, yeah. Yeah, although it seemed like the aliens, because Max wasn't, Max didn't have stuff on him in the plane, but right. he did afterwards, and so it seems more like it was the aliens as opposed to being the thing, but I don't mm. know. I don't know. Yeah. So then we're at Syracuse Hancock International Airport. Mulder turns in a tag with the numbers to the baggage claim. It was apparently a luggage check tag. <gasps> oh. The man asks what kind of bag it is, and Mulder's like, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> not suspicious at all. No, not at all. The guy's like, big bag, small bag. And Mulder's like, I don't know. I forget. So the man's searching, and then some men in suits come into the baggage claim area and stare at Mulder. They're not, like, not obvious at all. Mulder, they're honestly, like, just gave away who they are. The man hagged Mulder a green canvas bag and asked if that's it. Mulder flashes his badge and tells him he needs a security exit. And so the man takes him through the back, and he avoids the suits because they can't follow for some reason, I guess. I don't know. They just gave up. They run, but then Mulder gets away, and everything's fine. So what happened there? Anyway, Scully calls, and he tells her he has a bag that Max left at the airport. She tells him what he's carrying is from Cummings Aerospace, a military contractor. He starts to open the bag, and she tells him it's extremely important and he not remove it from the container, but the call is breaking up. Probably because radiation from the thing he's trying to get out of the bag. 
he asked her to repeat it because he can't hear her. And she's like, did you hear me? And he's like, no. And he's like, I'm going to tell you what it looks like in just a minute. And she's like, no, don't. <laughs> and don't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> but then I don't know if Mulder maybe just like, I'm. A, we're assuming he like figures out like, oh, you know what? This thing they keep taking, everyone has radiation burns. Maybe I shouldn't open it. So he gets in line at the metal detector and the call continues to break up. He puts the back through the x-ray and then flashes his badge and has them stop it so that he can look at the x-ray. And he describes a cylinder with three parts. And Scully is relieved he didn't handle it because I guess she knows now that he looked at it through an x-ray and said, not just looking at it. I'm not sure how she knows that. But anyway, and she thinks what they're dealing with is a case of high tech industrial espionage. Mulder says he's getting on a flight, flight 501, and he'll need a ride when he lands because he takes the bag and boom, gets on a plane. So, yeah, I would not get on a plane with that thing. Given what happened last time someone got on a plane with that thing. Yeah, it's fine. That's just me. Fine. Mulder boards the plane and hands the flight attendant his coat, and he passes Garrett, who's in a seat on the plane. Uh oh. Yep. He doesn't like say, "Hey, Garrett, what's Not going good. on?" He doesn't know who Garrett is. So, but no, he but is. We see as he walks by. <laughs> we see. We see that. Yeah. Oh, commercial. So later, Mulder is sitting with his eyes closed, and he has a suit jacket across his lap. Guess the stewardess gave it back to him. Yeah. So Garrett opens an overhead bin next to Mulder, and then, since the rest of the row is empty, asks if he can take the aisle seat. Garrett tries to make small talk, and Mulder tells him he has a gun pointed at him. Garrett tells him what happens if a plane loses pressure, like if you were to shoot a bullet through the wall. Why is Mulder just pointing guns at random people sit next to him and have small talk? I'm kind of guessing he knows what's up. Like, you know, he knew. Well, he does. He does see the blood on his leg. And so he well, and also he knew that someone followed Max onto the plane to stop him. So I think he's yeah. assuming that same thing. So Garrett says he has a parachute he just stowed above their heads and he'd jump with the knapsack Mulder has. Mulder asks, what if the pilot couldn't regain control? Garrett says he's willing to die for his mission and take everyone on the plane with him if necessary. That's nice. Yeah. Mulder says the thing in the bag is an alien energy source, isn't it? He asks what was worth killing all those passengers on flight 549. He wants to see Garrett and everyone involved pay for that crash. He tells Garrett to stand slowly and that they're going to go to the bathroom. So they walk down the aisle. Mulder puts him in the bathroom and then wheels the beverage cart in front of the door so he can't get out. He then uses the phone on the plane to call Scully. He tells her he has the man who shot Pendrel trapped in the airplane bathroom. He says she should alert Skinner so they can make sure to get him off the plane safely. She asks if he's on the flight, he said, and he says yes. And then he notices that his watch just stopped. He tells <gasps> Scully, who responds, what? And he drops the phone. <laughs> Poor Scully. Yep. She's always on the phone with him when he's like jumping onto trains and hanging out, <laughs> dropping the phone when he's on the middle of an airplane. I don't know. It's just not good. Mm -hmm. So Mulder grabs a flight attendant. He tells her he's a federal agent and the plane is about to be intercepted. He tells her that she needs to tell the pilot to initiate evasive maneuvers immediately. She does not believe him. She does not. No. Garrett comes out of the bathroom with his makeshift gun aimed at Mulder and tells him to hand over the canvas bag. Mulder sets it on the ground in the aisle and slowly backs away. Suddenly, the plane starts to shake and lights come through the windows. People scream. It is eerily like the scene we saw on Max's flight. Whoa. Garrett creeps forward and picks up the bag. Mulder pulls out his gun and tells him to drop it. Then light illuminates around the exit row door, and Mulder urges Garrett to let the bag go. Then the plane stops shaking. The exit door slowly comes off the plane. Kind of <gasps> away from the plane and nothing happens so like you know they're in that tractor beam stasis thing so they're all safe mm -hmm. also this happened in the scene with max as well uh-huh where the guy who was had the fake gun when everything's going off he tries to shoot max but like the trigger doesn't work like he's pulling the trigger nothing happens and in this scene Mulder tries to shoot garrett when garrett won't let go of the bag and Mulder's gun doesn't work either. So the mm -hmm. aliens have like anti-gun technology, apparently. <laughs> yes, they do. They don't like guns. Yeah. They know. They know the shit is yeah. bad news. So then we're at Washington International Airport in Washington, D.C. I don't think there is a Washington International Airport. No, there's like Dulles names. International. There's Dulles, there's Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, just a, yeah. They just made one up, which is yes. weird because they didn't make up some other stuff. They could have, and they've used the other 
names before, so I'm not sure what's going on. Anyway, we see a plane landing, and then we see Skinner and Scully and a bunch of agents run down the jetway to meet the plane. And on the plane, people are, like, just getting out of their seats and getting their stuff and leaving. And, you know, Scully and Skinner, like, come in, going the opposite way. Mulder's just sitting there in his seat. And Scully's like, where is he? Mulder says, he's not there. And then we look see him look at his watch. And he asks Skinner what time he has. And Skinner says it's 10.56. Mulder's watch is about nine minutes behind. So aliens are quick. That's always nine minutes with them. They're always yeah, right on a schedule. You know? Like, yep. you know, we flew all the way across the galaxy. We are on a schedule. We got they have minutes. it down to a literal science. Yeah. Skinner's like, what's going on? And Scully says, you don't want to know the answer. And then she leaves. And Skinner asks <laughs> if the man is on the plane or not. And Mulder's like, I think he got on the connecting flight. Because he opens the <laughs> overhead bag and there actually is a parachute in there. So he did put a parachute in there. So he was uh, really there. He's just no longer there. But he did yeah, not parachute out. No, he did not. He did not pull a D.B. Cooper. He, he did he, not. No. Scott Garrett, who I believe is only named in the credits. I don't think we ever get his name in the episode. It might maybe show on his little badge in the first episode because he's wearing the NTSB badge. But I, I think you would have to like really like freeze frame and zoom in to see it. So I think he's only named in the credits. But he is played by Greg Michaels, who, similar to Sergeant Lewis Frisch slash Tom O'Brien, Looked really familiar for no reason, because I did not recognize any of the stuff he was in. He does kind of remind me of one of the undercover cops in Hot Fuzz, probably because okay. of the mustache. Yeah. He will appear in season two of Millennium, though, as a different character. Oh, cool. Scott, Scott Garrett. That would be crazy if it was Scott Garrett. That'd be weird. That'd be weird. Yeah. Would be kind of cool, though. But anyway. <laughs> it'd, be, but it'd be weird. We'd have questions yeah. that I'm sure they would not answer. Mm, yeah. I think he plays like a detective or something in Millennium. So. And then we see the VHS tape with Max, and he's saying that scientists in Finland have detected anti-gravity over the surface of a superconducting disk and other technology that's supposedly 20 years off. It's always 20 years off, man. He's seen that technology in military crafts that have hovered over his trailer. And he intends to expose these people, but he's just one man. And then we see that Sharon is watching the tape, and she's in the trailer. And Mulder and Scully are there, and she asks if it's okay if she keeps it. And Mulder tells her that she should consider herself the sole curator of the Max Finnick Library. And she can probably get, like, a tax deduction, because this stuff might be worth something someday. And she thanks them, and Scully says that Max would have wanted it that way. And then she's like, you lost someone close to you. And then Sharon tells Scully, so did you. And Scully goes outside. Mm -hmm. And outside, Scully is looking up at the stars. And Mulder comes out and asks if she's thinking about Pendril. And Scully says she realized she didn't even know his first name. It's kind of harsh, honestly. Um, it doesn't, it's not good for Scully. She's worked with him. All, he has a name badge. You could have seen his first name. But anyway, <laughs> she was actually thinking about the keychain he gave her. So she wasn't even thinking about him. Like... She's like, I didn't know his first name, and I'm not thinking about him. I'm thinking about the keychain you gave me, because I love you. You can think anyway, about multiple things at once. It's fine. I don't know. <laughs> I, multitasking has proven to not be a true thing. Anyway, she didn't understand it at first, but now she does. Mulder believes there are extraordinary people in the world, and extraordinary moments where history leaps forward. And while we commemorate them, we can't forget the sacrifices of the people who made those leaps possible. And she goes on for quite a while. You can tell Chris Carter wrote this part. And then Mulder says, actually, I thought it was just a pretty cool keychain. And then they walk away and the camera pans up to the stars. And it's the end. We don't even get the little like twinkle. Like sometimes, you know, like you talk about someone and you pan up and then one little light twinkles. We don't even get that. So. That would have been cheesy. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Well, they would have had twinkle too, right? Because we got Max and Pendrel who are both Yeah. Dead. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Sean, Sean Pendrel, that's his name. So if you're wondering, it's actually his name comes out in apparently there was an X-Files video game. And that's where he's named as Sean Pendrel. Only place his first name appears. He was mistakenly called Danny Pendrel, 
on the season four, season five trading cards. Mm -hmm. And the general assumption is that it was a mistaken conflation of Danny and Pendrel, which yes. a long time ago I mentioned as something that would have been super funny if they had both had secret helpers that turned out to be the same guy. Yeah, uh, I remember that conversation. That would have been funny. I think you're right, yeah. though. It was just a conflation. Someone was like, oh, Danny's the guy who's always helping Mulder and Pendrel's yeah. there. So, yeah. And we never see Frisch again. So we could only assume he ended up imprisoned <laughs> or dead. Well, so. yeah, probably. I don't think things are going to end well for that guy. No. Because if the military has him, yeah. Yeah. So Pendrel was played by Brennan Beiser, I think is how you say his name. It's B-E-I-S-E-R. And then Max is played by Scott Bellis. Turns out both have actually been in one episode of Psych, not the same episode, which would have been cool. That would have been cool. Yeah. And then Colonel Henderson is the guy who said that Max had been found later in Fallen Angel. And, of course, he played the judge in Millennium. Yes. So, played by Marshall Bell. In the judge. Cool character actor. <laughs> got a scar. So, yeah. Talked about that in The Judge, I believe. So, yep. Yep. And as we mentioned, I think this is the most cohesive two-parter so far. And then I kind of mentioned before the whole Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz versus Frank Spotnitz and Chris Carter. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the order is like some kind of union payment thing or something. Probably, so. yeah. And so they may, you know, it's probably like, hey, I'll let you have these two two-parters and I'll take this two-parter. They could have just done it like episode by episode, but maybe like the payment is based on ratings and Chris Carter was like, I think these ones are going to work better. And so, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that I works. I have no idea how so. any of that works. So, yeah. But definitely the uh, definitely the best two parters so far, I would say. I think so too. I think this was super engaging. It was like one of those episodes. Like I definitely, there's a book of the Temperance Brandon series that deals with the plane crash and stuff. I always find this stuff really like just kind of horrific. But they do a really good job of portraying everything really well. And like you said, the crash site looked really good. Like everything looked great, and it was just a really engaging mystery. Like even when we kind of find out what happened, it's like, oh, okay, so the government was trying to shoot down a ufo and fucked over a plane full of people <laughs> yay <laughs> although we have to assume that the government was planning to shoot down the aircraft i don't were they so that is the part that's confusing to me because well, obviously how could they how they, could they know the ufo was going to show up that's what i mean is they didn't know the ufo was going to show up they tried to shoot the ufo down obviously that created the cabin yeah, pressure but loss. if they didn't know the ufo was going to show up why were they going after the plane? Yeah, why were they getting the coordinates? That makes sense. I think, but they, were gonna, they, I think, they're, I think they were going to shoot it down. But they also had a guy on there to shoot Max, take the thing. So, like, that feels like overkill. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it's were not they, like I would put Were they going to, like, shoot government. a tube to the plane and then he was going to, like, exit and get on there? I don't know what was going to happen. I don't, I don't know. I don't think F-15s can do that. But, no, I don't think so. So I, I maybe yeah. they just decided that wasn't good enough and they had to shoot down the whole plane instead. Maybe it's just like, you know what? Let's just have extra, you know, like, like, okay, we got this guy, but if that doesn't work out, we're going to do this too. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I definitely would not put it past the government. So. Yeah. You know what I realized <laughs> in our, in our, in our, mainly in mine, hurry to make this a two-parter and actually break it. We didn't rate the first one. I know. I kind of thought you were doing that on purpose because you were like, well, let's just do it. Like it's, I mean, I was, weird. I just wanted people to think <laughs> I wasn't. So, yeah, I mean, that was my plan all along. So, yeah, so when we rate these, we'll have to rate both episodes. Yes, well, you I know mean, me with two-parters. I pretty much rate them They're the going to be the same. Yeah. So, yeah. Especially this one, because this one really is very much the same story. And it's, man, I'm so bummed that Max and Pendrel are dead, though. <laughs> it's like, otherwise, it's a really solid couple episodes. But then that's just such a bummer. I'm like, both of them? Come on. You had two quirky redheads and you killed them off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they apparently hate gingers because um, we know Scully is not really a real redhead. They <laughs> die that shit. So. Uh, uh. Yep. So I would probably give these a nine, but the character deaths have traumatized me. So I'm giving them both an eight. 
both an eight. Okay. Yeah. I do think it's very solid. Like it's well written. It's like you're immediately like, oh my God, what's going on? The way it unfolds, I think, is really well done. And it all is logical and makes sense. None of it's like, oh my God, I don't understand what's going on. Like it all like sometimes their government conspiracy stuff gets really convoluted and mm-hmm. weird. Like the black oil stuff with Mulder, like that whole two-parter was kind of a mess. Whereas this one's just really we know what happened. We understand why things were done the way they were done. Don't make sense. Choices were made. Yes, yep. they were. Hmm. What am I going to do here? Hmm. I am tempted to do the same thing and give them both the same number. However, <laughs> if I were to do that, I would give them both a nine. Okay. But I, I don't have... Like I get, yeah, Pendrel sucks, right? My my actual hangup is the bringing Max back. I know why they did to make it like you you needed someone on the plane that would be like a go an easy go to for Mulder and Scully, right? Someone they would they would know and that kind of right. Thing. Some reason so, for them to get involved in the plane crash, right? But because yeah. of the way Fallen Angel went and no connective tissue between the two. I have an issue with that. Yeah. Um, I do think Agent Pendrel's death sucks, but I mean, in real life, that's how things work too. So it actually, no, is it's kind true. Of accurate. Yeah. You know, so I, I want to give Tempest Fugit a nine and okay. then give Max an eight because I think Tempest Fugit was a little bit tighter and maybe had some sure. better stuff going on than Max did. Not that they were both bad. But then again, Tempest Fugit is the one where Max shows up. And since that's where my big hangup is, I feel like I should give Tempest Fugit the eight and Max the nine. But then I think Tempest <laughs> Fugit is the better of the two episodes. So I'm really torn. On well, what if you to think do. it's better, I think you should rate that one higher, even though you don't like the lack of connectivity between Fallen Angel and this one. Because I agree, yeah. they could have thrown a line down to explain, you know, anything that Mulder might have known about Max in the past few years, or mm-hmm. if he didn't know anything, like you could say, weird, haven't heard from him since that military guy said he was dead, you know what I mean? Or Scully could have been like, I thought he was, like the military said that he was deceased. Found after. dead, yeah. And Mulder was like, oh, they told was us, but he had been communicating with me. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they could have done something like that. They could have. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think I'm going I'm to go with a nine and an eight because I mean, okay. technically, he actually has more screen time. I think in Max than he does in Tempest Fugit. Yeah, like maybe why they the named VHS. that one Max instead of Tempest Fugit. So, because yeah. I mean, Tempest Fugit actually happens more in the second one. Time well, actually, time doesn't fly. Time stands still. It does so, stand still. Yep. Yeah. Nine minutes so, of it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Boom! Guess what, people? I rated these episodes higher than Tori did, basically, because I gave a nine and an eight, and she gave an eight and eight. Yeah, I was thinking of nine. I don't know, but I mean, we'll see if I change those. But I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Well, what have I given nine to so far? I've given nine just this season. I gave a nine to Musings of a Cigarette Smoking Man, and I gave nine to Paper Hearts, and then I believe I gave a nine to Clyde Bruckman. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I gave a nine to the pilot episode. And I think I gave Eve a nine, too. I think you gave that Jose be... Chung's a nine also. Oh, did I? Okay, I don't remember. You might have. It might have been an eight or a nine. It was pretty high. I don't want to gave... open the whole spreadsheet. So I gave Jose yeah. Chung's a ten. I think you were close. I think you were like a nine. Okay, maybe. I mean, it was pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I think, yeah, going nine. I, I don't know that I could do double nine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We're getting close to the end, so changes are, if they're going to happen, they need to happen soon. Yes. But we'll see. I'll think about it some more. All right. Yeah. But yeah. Best. I mean, I. Yeah, okay. Okay. I'm going to stick with the eight and nine for now. It <laughs> might change, people. It might change. Because it is the most cohesive two parter, and I feel like I should give credit for that. I mean, almost, almost all the two parters I like rate really low because they usually suck. Yeah, I know. So, and a lot of the myth arc stuff is kind of, I don't know. I mean, it's like some of it's really good, and then some of it you're just like, wait, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tunguska and Terma, I gave a three and a four. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah. But no, good job. I like this one. It's also, it, it's 
maybe it's because of the Mac stuff. And so since they had to like link it, they tried to link it together with Fallen Angel. It it feels more first season-y, which is my favorite it season. It does. Yeah, um, it does have a very first season feel. And I got to say, like, I haven't finished season four but the upcoming episodes, I feel like there's a good batch of them. I don't know how many of them you'll feel that way about, but like, I have been pretty impressed with how the second half of season four is playing out. So okay. we'll see if that lines up with your opinion or not. Well, we, we shall on. see because I know you clued me in that one of my favorite people is going to show up <laughs> in a couple episodes, but not in the way they usually show up. No, so. in a different way completely. So it was yeah. it was actually really surprising. I was like, oh my God, that is a weird twist but mm-hmm. hey you know what it it works so okay i'm not i'm not mad at okay. it okay yeah so we shall see we shall see mm-hmm. so stay tuned everyone and by that i mean just keep subscribed or subscribe if you haven't already and then this stuff will pop up on your app when we release it and you won't miss it yeah there you go that's the best Problem way to solved. do it I think that's what I mean. Don't doesn't everybody do that? Do people actually go and like, like, oh, I haven't listened to an X Files adjacent episode lately or whatever? There are a couple podcasts I want to rewatch. There are a couple I do that too, but they're mostly reality show podcasts. And so I wait until I watch like that season of Married at First Sight and then I go download all those episodes from that season. And instead of just being subscribed, I should just subscribe because they're all pretty good. I don't know who you are anymore. I mean, I know who you are. You've talked about <laughs> Listen, you know I love reality TV, okay? I know. I know. <laughs> we all know that I do not. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's it's good when your brain is tired and you can't handle anything more complicated. So, it works. Yeah. And I get so invested. I get so invested. This was a good episode to come back into doing stuff because I know you and I have talked recently how I'm kind of – kind of burned out on narrative lately like storytelling and i'm much more interested in in, which is why i'm enjoying the in search of episodes so much right of just like not that in search of is like nonfiction a lot but um (laughs) like like there's no there's i mean sometimes there are they are telling a story which is crazy but like there's no you know there's no like you know what i mean by like Mm -hmm. i know what you mean yes yeah, and so and just I think it's because with narrative you have expect you have more expectations where something sure like, where people are just giving you information, um, and that's kind of gone with my well I guess most of my podcasts I usually listen to are not narratives are usually more informational anyway mm-hmm. so but yeah. yeah I've gone through phases where I could you know. only read like nonfiction I couldn't really handle story for whatever reason it just happens sometimes but I'm glad this was yeah. a good one for you to come back to I thought it was fun I think it's a good couple of episodes and by fun I mean like devastating but also like well done and it's entertaining so I you know like a little devastation with my entertainment I guess I guess so okay alrighty well well I want to rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios that's right! We made this. The I Want to Rewatch catalog is chock full of X-Files and X-Files adjacent episodes like In Search of and Scooby-Doo and Culture of the Night Stalker that you should definitely check out because, um, variety is the spice of life. Anyway, whatever you do, tell a friend. We'd be happy to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time. And together, we'll try to figure out if the, the truth, truth is, is still out, out there. there.
Tori is not recording. Can Tori hear me? I don't know. Is her mic not working? I don't know. Can you hear me now? I can hear her now. Okay. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that's I got a weird message from things. Zoom and it made me put in my password. Oh. It was having a problem detecting my microphone. Hmm. It's weird, but then I unplugged Your it. Your audio again. sounds strange. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Okay. I think your mic just changed or something. Yeah, it's on the MacBook still. Okay, now microphone's there showing up. Hello, can you okay, hear me? Okay, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, you sound good. better. Okay, sorry, I'm showing some wheat bins with peanut butter in my face. Okay. All right. Good food that'll dry out your voice for the podcast. Yay. <laughs> uh-huh. Let's put peanut butter in our mouth. That'll help us talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if you're a horse, it does, but... um. We're not going to be dubbing you, so. It's okay. <laughs> I have Pepsi to cut the right. I like how you said that's okay while you were coughing. That was good. <laughs> that was brilliant. All right. I got a little can of Pepsi Cola like they give you on planes. Podcast fuel. Oh, All right. Uh-oh. 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 I just swallowed uh-oh. the carbonation weird. <laughs> oh, my god. You know when you do <laughs> Oh, that hurts. I don't know how that's possible. It's so weird. The human body's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Same hole for <sighs> air and water. Not a great system, really. No, no. I once heard, and I don't know if this is true, but you technically can breathe underwater. It's just your lungs aren't strong enough to push the water back out to get new water in. So, like, that first time, you can get the oxygen from the water. It's just you can't get the water back out. I don't oh. know if that's true or not. I don't know if that I remember, is either. I remember hearing that. Like, you, you technically can separate. Like, like your lungs function like gills. Just you can't then get the water. There's no way to get the water out. Oh, so then so you drown. Like, like the, little, the little bits can still do the same job. Oops. But it's, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I never really looked into it. it yeah, I don't know. Cool. I like that story. So I've just It does it. sound cool. Yeah. That first time, good. But, but yeah, then you're, <laughs> then you're fucked. No, yeah, because your lungs are full of water. Even if, you, even if you get back on the land, you still can't get the water out of your lungs. So, problem. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You got that old, tired, carbonated water in your lungs, and then you can't breathe and you die. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Fun. All right. All right. Intelligent design, my ass. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I hate that argument because, like, what are you talking about? None of this makes any freaking sense. What the hell is an appendix? All righty. Okay. Let's do it. 